invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. And these questions I ask myself when I question myself. What's up, table family? Yes. Just hear the song that they were just singing. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. Can we imagine for a second how Israel must have felt um, with the, the sea in front of them? They'd just been carried out from 40 years of slavery, and Pharaoh's heart is hardened again, and the Egyptians are behind them. They're coming to kill them, and in front of them is a sea that they have no idea how they're going to get over. Can we imagine the emotions that they, might be, that they would have been feeling? How do you think that they felt? Kids, women, children? Well, my name is Joshua, and I want to welcome you to the table. I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. If it's your first time here, we want to say that we love you. I just met Chris in the back over there. I love hearing first-time guests. Um, we just want to say that we love you. If you're a regular here, we just want to say that we love you. We're excited to have you. Um, and yeah, so today we're going to be talking about fear, right? You can hear the dead silence in the room. <laughs> yes, we'll be talking about fear. So first, I'm going to share a little bit about myself, and then we're going to get into God's Word, and then um, we, will we will get into some application points that I think is going to be helpful. Is that okay? All right, y'all tracking with me. Okay, this is my second time speaking from platform, so if y'all don't engage, I'll just walk off and let Isaac finish it. Okay, just so y'all know. So yes, so um, I feel like this message that I have today is very, very relevant for this room specifically. I feel like fear is such a broad topic, but I feel like the message I have for today is very specific, so I just want to get into prayer, and then we will start. So Father God, I just thank you. I pray that the people here may have hearts that are expectant, expectant. I pray that you just may be able to reveal what it is that you're trying to show them in their lives. I thank you for for having these people come on their Tuesday night, um, whatever it is that they could have been doing. Some people could have been out, some people could have been working, some people rescheduled um, hair appointments to be here. Um, and uh, we're just thankful for that, God, and I pray that you just might be touch each and every one of them. Amen. All right, so if you don't know, I am engaged. So Bree and I, ooh, yes, thank you. That works every time. So Bree and I, thank you, Bree. Bree and I, um, one of the things that we've had to figure out was finding a place, finding an apartment. So not only are we wedding planning, we're finding an apartment because her lease ends a little earlier than we actually get in. So we've been working with that. So in the process of finding an apartment, I get a call a few weeks ago, a few months, a month or so ago. I get a call from the leasing agent. It's like, Brrr. it's like, hello. Yep, this is Carmen. Just want to let you know, unfortunately, the unit that you guys had requested is no longer available. Now, this wouldn't have been a problem if I didn't already have the confirmation for the unit in my email. We didn't already put the deposit on the unit. So I'm just like, okay, 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 okay. My voice gets light when I get angry. I say, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, let me, let me call Bree real quick. Let me call Bree. I will get back to you. So I call Bree. I'm just like, hey, Babu. That's what I like to call her, Babu. Babu. The, uh, uh, the apartment's no longer available, the unit's no longer available, what do we want to do? So after some talking, after some communication, we're just like, listen, if the price is still the same, we will be flexible. So I was just like, okay, cool. Next day, I call Carmen, and I'm just like, hey, 
can I speak to Carmen? It's like, hey, Carmen's with a client right now. She can give you a call back. I said, okay, great. One day goes past, I don't get a call back. Two days go past, I don't get a call back. Three days go past, I don't get a call back. Now I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm literally, I can, I can see myself. I am in my office here at First Orlando doing video, and I'm just like, okay. Bree's asking me what's going on. I'm flooded with work. I am just agitated. I want to kind of get this done. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to call. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to call. So I call, and essentially um, what happens is <laughs> I call, and it's please leave a message for, I said, okay. So I left a message. I was being subtle. I said, hey, Carmen, I just want to give you a call. You know, um, you said that you'd call back, but you didn't. And um, I just wanted to follow up, you know, and uh, no hard feelings. You know, I just, I just want to follow up, see what was going on. Cool. Hang up. And then 10 minutes later, I'm still in my feelings. Like, I can't shake it. I'm like, it's the middle of the day. Like, you're there. Like, you're there. You have to be there. So I did what any reasonable, reasonable person would do. I called again. please leave a message for, this time I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna leave a voicemail. I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm okay, I'm okay. Two hours later, I'm just like, I'm not okay, I'm driving over there. <laughs> I'm driving over there, that's, that's, I'm driving over there. So, literally before table, I drove over there, and um, not today, but before. So before table, I drove over there, and I'm hopping off I-4, I'm just like, okay, I feel my heart. My heart's just like, that's what happens when I get angry. I, just, I start getting riled up. I start getting riled up. I can't hold it in. And I'm just like, okay, ooh, this isn't good. So let me try to call one more time so I don't have to pull up. Because if I pull up... <laughs> oh, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just like, hello? And I hear... That's what we doing? Okay. I said, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the phone dropped. Maybe something happened. But, but I was just like, but I am, I am three minutes away. I am three minutes away. So I pull up into the driveway and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I am ready. John, I'm ready. And I am just like, okay, I'm about to, I'm about to go in. And then I have... I had my hat on, and most of y'all know I always wear the First Baptist Orlando hat. I had my hat on, and I went to go turn it backwards because I was trying to get in the zone, right? I was getting in the zone. And then I realized that the First Orlando logo was on it, and I'm just like, okay, this isn't going to be good. This isn't, isn't going to be good. And I'm just like, okay, Josh, what is wrong? What's wrong with you right now? And I'm just like, truthfully, I'm scared. I'm scared because... The price that we got was a very aggressive price and it was way under budget what we wanted and it was everything that we wanted in the apartment. One. Two, Bri and I really liked the place. Three, I'm a fiance. This is one of my first tasks. I got to knock this one out the park. You know what I mean? Like, I got to knock it out the park. So I, I realized that I'm afraid and, and that's what I'm afraid of. What are you afraid of? So today, before we can talk about fear, what I want to do is I want to define fear. So what is fear? Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat, right? What are you afraid of? There are so many things that you could be afraid of. 
You could be, um, some of us in here, it's just like our in-between jobs. We don't know where that next paycheck is coming from. We're waiting for rent. We don't know how that's going to happen. Some of us are afraid because we don't know if we will ever get the job that we actually want. We don't know if we'll ever get the job um, that we actually feel called to. We don't know whether or not, what am I called to? Some of us are just afraid of calling. Um, some of us are afraid because just the political climate and everything that's going on, it's just like, what do I believe? Who do I trust? What do I understand? And then some of us are actually afraid of understanding it because if we did understand it, we might have to take a stance against somebody um, and we don't want to have that conflict. So what are we afraid of? Some of us have irrational fears. I had a few irrational fears. Two of my irrational fears. First fear was um, when I was, I remember when I was like 10 years old, I always feared that Jesus was coming back. And that was a good thing, but I feared that he would come back before I could actually get my driver's license. And I wanted to drive. I wanted to drive. Not no more. Um, <laughs> some of us have irrational fears. Some of us are single in here. Some of us have fears. Will I ever be in a relationship? I remember when I was single, I used to think the one thing that, that was probably an irrational fear for my fellows are probably like, not an irrational fear. But one thing that was irrational fear, I was just like, well, God, I, I'd love for you to come back, but you said taste and see of you of everything, and I'm not married, so I ain't had sex yet, so please, you're going to have to wait on that. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. Can I be real? Can I be real? We have, some of us have irrational fears, but um, I think the number one fear that I, I assume that this room probably has, and I pulled, so I kind of know, is the fear of being alone, right? Fear of being alone if your significant other cheats on you and you're by yourself. Fear of being alone, um, if your parents are getting older, what happens to them? Fear of being alone, um, if you don't fit in with, uh, with your friend group anymore and they're trending somewhere else. All of us are afraid of something, and I believe that there are three types of people who are afraid. Those who are unaware that they're afraid, those who are aware that they're scared and are limited by their fears, and then those that are aware that they're scared and are fruitful despite their fears. So here's the question that I would like to try to answer tonight. What does it look like to trust God when I'm scared? What does it look like to trust God when I am scared? And I love the Bible because the Bible is full of real stories of real people going through real things, and they don't sugarcoat it. So I am so excited to get into this today. Um, so we are going to be in Matthew 16, verses 21 to 23. We'll be in Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23, and I'm going to give you some context before we hop in. So we're talking about Peter here. We're going to talk about Peter, and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about their relationship. So Peter, uh, Peter's a funny guy. Peter can be described as like an eager yet very immature person. I feel like me and Peter would have been great friends. Like he, like he is that guy that's like overly confident, but then sometimes he'll just put his foot in his mouth, right? So Jesus had just finished speaking to the 4,000, and um, he had finished speaking to the 4,000, and they had fed them, and some of the people believed he was the Messiah. Some of the people didn't believe that he was the Messiah, and um, the religious leaders didn't believe that he was the Messiah because they were, they were, um, they were banking off of Psalms 2, looking for a Messiah that's going to come and conquer, and they did not see how Jesus was doing that. So they were strategizing to kill Jesus. So Jesus, catching wind of all of this, pulls away with his disciples, and um, Jesus goes to teach his disciples what it means for him to be the Messiah. And... Um, Jesus asked his disciples, okay, um, who do you say that I am? Everybody else is questioning who I am. Who do you guys say that I am? And Peter, being eager Peter, is just like, you are the son, the Christ, you are the son of God. And I could just imagine Peter just sitting there just beaming, just like, gotcha, 
got, got all of y'all, right? And Jesus is just like, yes, you're right, but it's my Father that has revealed this to you, right? Um, you're right, it's my Father that's revealed this to you. So Peter's name at that point was Simon Barjona, and Jesus says, I'm going to change your name to Peter, because Peter means rock, and on this church, on this rock, I will build my foundation. And just Peter basically just Jesus basically tells Peter that he will play a role in establishing the church. And I can just imagine, again, Peter being prideful and just being happy and being like, yes, like, this is great. And um, that's where we're going to pick up. So we pick up here, and when we read Matthew 16, verse 21 to 23, so they now understand who Jesus is, and this is where we're going to pick up. So from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on that third day be raised. And Peter, everybody say Peter, Peter. took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Here's the first thing I want us to notice. What we don't understand, we fear and resist, right? Let me tell you why. I remember coming here, one of the, one of the culture statements is one-on-one's how it's done, right? One-on-one's how it's done. I remember coming here being like, I hate that. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, because back home, I never one-on-one. Like, I never one-on-one. I never really checked it. Now, people, like, we if, we, if we ran into each other, it's just like we accidentally ran into each other, right? And it's just like I checked in, like, every eight months. I was a high doer, not a high beer, right? So it's just like I never subscribed to it. I was just like, yeah, no, like, not really for me. Like, didn't understand it, really kind of resisted it at first. But then I realized something. I realized the reason why I didn't like it is because I didn't understand it. I wasn't good at holding conversations, one-on-one conversations that I didn't know what to talk about. I wasn't good at holding conversations until one day I was in residency and they were talking about um, acing your one-on-ones. Acing your one-on-ones basically means assessing how they're doing, challenging or encouraging. Let me show you an example. How is your spiritual life? Oh, so how's your spiritual life going? Oh, it's going great. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad it's going great. You're doing such a good job. I'm giving away my secrets for when I talk to people. But, um, and then it'll be like, so, so yeah, so I literally, so some of us know the Psalms tool. I literally go through the Psalms tool and I just start assessing and then I challenge and I encourage. And I'd be like, oh, 20 minutes, gotta go. Um, no, I'm joking. I'm not that mean. A little bit. Um, but yeah, so, so that's essentially how I, uh, how I assess. But when I didn't understand it, I feared it, I resisted it. Um, so my question to you is, what are you fearing or resisting because of your lack of understanding? What was Peter resisting? So Peter was resisting the idea that the Messiah would suffer, right? So Peter's knowledge of who Jesus was did not overcome his assumptions of what he would do, right? So it's just like, I was reading a commentary and it basically says, even today, many people become discouraged or disillusioned with Christ whenever they discover he's not gonna do the things exactly as they prefer it. I had to ask myself, what does it look like to resist um, what does it look like for me to resist the temptation to respond according to my flesh? And that's what I want to ask you guys. When you're in a situation, whatever it is that pops up, what does it look like um, to resist the temptation to respond according to your flesh, to respond according to what you don't understand or what you don't resist? Second thing I want you to notice. You're not mad. 
you're scared. Let me tell you why. Now, I remember back in a few years ago, I had a 98 Camry that was my first car, had about 170,000 miles on it, thing was chugging along, and I was just working so much that I forgot to change the oil in it, and essentially um, what happened was uh, it stopped working. <laughs> and um, so I had to buy a new car. So I blew the engine. That's what happened. I blew the engine. And I had to buy a new car, and I was upset. I had just saved up this pile of money, so I had to spend $8,000 on a new car. Spent $8,000 on a new car. I worked at a dealership, so that was okay. Got a good price. And then um, three months later, I get a new car. I got, a Toyo I got another Toyota Camry. I had about 30,000 miles on it. Crazy good deal. Crazy excited. Cool. It worked out. Three months later, I go to get the oil change at my job. They, they do the oil change. The next day, I'm driving in my car, going to work. Mm like, what was that? Now, for any of my car guys, for any of my uh, mechanics in here, for any of my, my car guys, the oil filter wasn't screwed on all the way. He feel my pain. Like, I love you. This right here, he feel it. He said, ah, yes, that's how I felt. The oil filter was not screwed on all the way, so it popped off while I was on the highway. So by the time I pulled over, engine blown. I am livid, right? I'm just like, okay, let's go. So I get to work and I'm like, I didn't talk to nobody at work for like a week. Like they're about to fire me. Like I just, like, I was just angry. I was livid. And then I finally realized like, you know what? This is such a crazy circumstance. I know nobody did it by purpose. I'm not actually mad here. What it is, is I am scared. I'm scared because did I just lose $8,000? Did I just, um, and even if they do fix the car and they pay for it, um, what happens if the car breaks, right? So it's just like, you're not mad, you're scared, and how does what I'm saying apply to Peter? So Peter, here's what we have to realize, is like when Peter rebuked Jesus, there was two motivations. It's, I, I believe there's two motivations. It's like one motivation is he didn't understand what was going on, which was fair. A Messiah doesn't typically come to die. A king doesn't it, come to establish his kingdom and comes to die. I get that. But Peter also, you have to understand um, that the disciples were also thinking about on some level what parts each of them will play when the, when the Messiah establishes his powerful kingdom on earth. So Peter was also thinking like, well, you just said that I'm going to be a part of this, but then now you're saying that you're going to die? How does, that, how does that correlate? I wonder if that's anybody in this room. God, you gave me a vision that I'm going to be a wife and I'm going to be, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to have such and such, but now I, I don't see, no, 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 don't see it. Can't see it, Right? God, you gave me this career where I'm going to be someone that influences and, and, and be able to um, do ministry and this and that, but, but I'm working at a job that's completely contrary to what it, the vision was that you gave me, right? But I think this is interesting when we look at Peter's story as a whole, Peter, the characters, Peter in the Bible, um, we see this theme where Peter is confident and then he is scared, Right? Jesus gets out of the, uh, Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus says, come. Peter steps out. Peter's walking towards Jesus. And then Peter looks, it says Peter sees the wind and was afraid, right? He was confident and then he got scared. And then Jesus tells Peter, another, another circumstance, Jesus tells Peter, hey, you're going to deny me. No, I won't. 
that ain't it. You ain't got me. I'm not going to die. Not me. They might. Not me. Peter, do you know Jesus? No. <laughs> ah, I think that's just so funny. Like, to emphatically deny something, but then to be in a position where it's just like, I, I, that, that kills me. And then... Peter, and then we're in this circumstance where Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are it. And, um, and then Jesus says, okay, now that you understand, let me break it down for you. This is what's going to happen. Nope, that ain't it, Jesus. You wrong. That's not it. That's not it. Peter is confident and then scared. Peter is confident and then scared. So what emotion do I feel like Peter was feeling? I think on surface, when we see that he rebuked him, I think we can think anger, which I think is correct. But I would also like to say that Peter is possibly afraid. And this is what I want to ask you guys. What in your life is presenting as anger, but is sponsored by fear? Let that sit. The last thing I want you guys to notice is this. Jesus' response to Peter. <laughs> this will guess me. So, Bri and I, I love you, babe. Bri and I, <laughs> When I laugh because sometimes when we interact and we talk, it just be so funny to me. And one time we were, we were leaving her apartment and we were running behind and I'm just like, Brie, like, I, I get kind of focused. I get in the zone and sometimes I say things a little bit more intensely. So I just like, Brie, come on, let, let's go. And Brie does this thing where she just slowly turns around and look at me like, I'd be like, let's go. And Brie just be like, ooh, your tone. And then I know that the problem is no longer the problem, but my emotional state is the problem. Right? I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to slow walk this for you guys. So now, whenever me and Brie, whenever we have something, if she says something that's off tone, if I say something off tone, I just be like, ooh, your tone. Right? So I am so shocked that Jesus, Peter rebukes Jesus, the one who knows it all. If I was Jesus, the first thing I would have been like was, whoo, your tone, <laughs> who are you talking to? But Jesus doesn't do that, right? Jesus doesn't do that. He, Jesus tells Peter, you're not trusting me. Um, no, Jesus tells Peter, you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So essentially telling Peter, Peter, trust me. Trust me. Like you are setting your minds on the things of man, which is why you are, which is why you are fearing, which is why you are not trusting me. Trust me. But I think he does something subtle here, so subtle that I don't want us to miss. Jesus focuses on the, hmm, Jesus focuses on the problem, not the emotional state. There are so many of you in this room right now that are beefing with people and have issues with people because you are focused on their emotional state when you address the problem, not the actual problem. Let that sit. <laughs> slow roast, John, slow roast, slow roast. Henry Cloud says, don't treat the emotional state as the main thing that's wrong. Treat the problem that's causing the emotional state as the focus of your direction of effort. I want to tell you this. You will never solve the problem if you're focusing on the reaction. 
you are never going to solve the problem if you're focusing on the reaction. So if we assume part of what was driving Peter was fear, then the question becomes this. What would it look like for Peter to trust God when he's scared? Jesus then says, Peter, set your mind on the things of God, not on the things of man. Peter, trust me, trust me, right? Which leads me to believe that the more we set our minds on the things of God, the more that we trust God, which brings me to my big idea. Fear is a gateway to trust. Fear is a gateway to trust. Anytime we run into fear, it is the opportunity to either be afraid or to trust God. Right? So here's one thing we need to understand. Feeling afraid isn't being afraid. It's a distinction that we need to understand is that feeling afraid is not being afraid. Feeling afraid is setting your mind on the things of God and going through with it. Being afraid is setting your minds on the things of man. Right? And, and let me show you. Peter, when he was walking on water, Peter's walking on water, he's walking to Jesus, and Peter sees the wind, and his, the natural consequence of just seeing the wind, it says he was afraid. He was afraid. Just, he saw it, and he was afraid. Right? Now, he's, now he starts sinking. And the moment he starts sinking, he does something that's so subtle. It says he cries out to Jesus. Insert, he set his mind on Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus saved him. And I think the very interesting part about that is that it says, Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Not why are you doubting? Subtle. Subtle. Very subtle. Psalms 56.3 says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. So I want to spend the remaining time answering two questions. How can we become aware of our fear? And then how do we trust God with it? Are y'all with me? Okay. I love quiet cars. That means y'all are listening. It's getting to your soul. <laughs> All right. So getting married is an amazing thing. Um, you get to gain a lot of new family. So part of the new family that I gained was uh, on Bree's side is her Mimi, her Poppy. Um, and Mimi Essentially, Mimi just had shoulder surgery and, um, a, a little while ago, and we were over there checking in on her. Um, 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 on a count of three, I want y'all to say, feel better, Mimi. One, two, three. Feel better, Mimi. Oh, y'all sound so beautiful. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so Mimi, um, Mimi had a shoulder surgery, and um, Bree was over there just talking to her about things, and um, she was just like, yeah, I'm trying to do my exercises so my shoulder doesn't get stuck. And then Bree's just like, adhesive capillitis. It's like, what is that? She's so smart. I was like, I'm like, what? She's like, frozen shoulder. Like, I should have known. Like, I should, just should have known. <laughs> <laughs> like, frozen shoulder. I'm like, okay, frozen shoulder. Yeah, it's when your shoulder gets stuck. Like, it, like, your shoulder can get stuck if you're not doing the exercise. I'm just like, interested. So I did a little research on that, and I asked Bree about that. And I realized that there's three stages to frozen shoulder. Stage one um, is when pain exists. So you start to get pain, um, and then you start to be limited in your motion. So before you, you're, able to do, you're able to do this, and now 
um, you're only able to, you're, you're, you're slowly losing that mobility. You're only able to do this, right? And then stage two, I thought was the craziest state. Stage two, you actually stop feeling pain, right? You no longer feel the pain, but you're limited. Your range of motion is gone. You're limited. You can't move your shoulder past thing, but it, it don't hurt no more. Um, but you're limited. And then phase three, stage three, is the recovery stage. Um, and this is when you're, you're going to, um, this is when you're going to uh, the PTA. Where do you go to work every day, girl? Um, PTA, you're, you're, going to, you're going to therapy. That's what it is. You're going to therapy. You're going to therapy. You're, you're doing all of these things. And, and the physical therapist, they're stretching you out, right? They're stretching you out. They're making sure that you're okay. But it, and, and here's the thing. In recovery phase, in, the, in stage three, um, their pain is reintroduced, right? Pain is reintroduced, but you're able to sometimes gain almost all of your range of motion back, right? So, so some people are so bad, though, that, that, like, we're talking to Mimi. Some people are so bad that they used to, like, hammer and chisel and, like, away, like, crazy. And I'm just like, Wow. That's pretty crazy. And I'm just like, I have good news and bad news for this room today. Now, most of y'all will probably never get frozen shoulder. But I believe a lot of y'all will have frozen fear. She said, <gasps> somebody said it over there. I didn't even know. <gasps> frozen fear. Yeah, that got me. <laughs> I feel you. I'm with you. I'm with you, girl. Um, so yeah, so what would that look like? So stage one of frozen fear is um, you start avoiding things. So you're triggered by things, and then you start avoiding things, right? You start being limited to what it is that you actually can do. Oh, I used to trust. I don't trust anymore, right? You start limiting what it is that you actually do. Um, stage two kind of looks like you no longer have any you no longer have any pain or discomfort of fear, like you're no longer feeling those, your heart's going or whatever the case may be. And this is where people become unaware a little bit because they think, oh, I'm healed. You know what, I'm healed, I'm, I'm not afraid anymore. No, you just crafted a perfect life to where you don't have to run into your fear. Let that simmer. Stage three, you have um, is the, essentially being the recovery phase. Those are the people that are in counseling talking about the issues. Those are the people that are in life groups talking about the issues. Those are the people that are able to, when they're going through something, they're able to say, hey, like, no, this makes me feel really bad. I don't want to be going through this, but you know what? I'm going through it, and I'm going to go through this with the support of people. So three stages of frozen fear, and I want to show you what that looks like practically. Come on, Dan, let's do it. So stage one. You have, um, you have a series of things of how you feel. So I'm just going to share some stories with you of how this applied to me. Um, so this morning, literally this morning, I'm getting ready for this message. And um, I'm so confused as to what it is that I'm going to say. It's just like things were kind of bottling, like binding up here. And I'm just like, okay, I got to go for a walk. So I'm just like, I go outside to go for a walk. And for, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I, don't, I still don't like talking to my neighbors. Let me rephrase that. I don't like talking to neighbors. Let me rephrase that. I don't like talking. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. Except, yes. So I'm, I'm about to leave, and I'm about to walk outside, and I see my neighbor, and I'm triggered. 
I felt triggered. I'm like, oh, right? I'm just like, man. So I'm just like, okay, he had his, his, he's on his phone. He's cutting this one of his trees on the thing, so his back is turned to me. So I'm just like, okay. I'm like, okay, if I open the door now, he probably won't see me. And I'm just like, okay. So I open the door and I step out, but then like, there's like this, almost like a fence area. It's like a gated area. So I have to still go through. So as I'm walking through, he turns around and I'm just like this. I turn back. I'm apprehensive now. Now I'm just like, now I'm watching. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to go. I'm not going to go. And then, um, and then I'm, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm panicked because I'm just like, yo, I want to get out of this house, but like this guy is right there. And you're just like, Josh, just go. Like, right? Any rational person would just go. I'm just like, no, I don't want to talk to him. I don't. How's the wedding? Are we invited? No. So that, that's what stage one looks like for me. Now, stage one for you could probably look like you have a friend and, um, and they didn't tell you anything, but then you see them hanging out with a new friend. And you're like, <gasps> yep, that's you right there. And you're like, <gasps> right? And, um, and the next thing you know, they're telling you, yeah, I hung out with such and such. And you know what? Like, we went to a concert and we such and such, but they didn't invite you. Now you're apprehensive. Now you're thinking like, you're, you're anxious and you're fearful. You're like, what is happening here? Are we drifting apart? Am I, what, what, is, what is this? What does this look like? And then um, she asks, your, your, your old friend asks, can we hang out with the new friend? And you're just like, no, no, absolutely no. Who wants to hang out with her? No, 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 no. We don't got to do that. You're panicked. You don't know what does this mean? What is this? What are the implications for our relationship? Why are we bringing this new person in? What are we doing? What does this look like? So that's stage one. That's what stage one could possibly look like for you. Stage two, what would stage two look like? <sighs> so a few years ago, um, a few years ago, I was, I, I happened to get myself in a lot of trouble, and essentially I had got, uh, I got arrested, and I found myself in a courtroom, and I found myself in front of a prosecuting attorney, and essentially what happened was, um, I'm not gonna get into that, but essentially what they were talking about, um, and they, they, were, they were going through sentencing, and my dad decides to say, yeah, no, throw him in jail. What? Now, I skipped stage one completely and I just went to stage two. I was numb. I felt numb. I was so past being hurt. Like, I was, I was past it. I was past it. I was numb, right? And then when they were asking me, like, how do you feel? Well, no, he's never really gotten in trouble before this and this. Josh, how do you feel about it? I was apathetic. I don't care. Do what you gotta do. Don't care. In the back of my head, I'm just like, no! Right? Um, and then I became stone. And the reason why I use stone is because it's, I think it's a representation of like when you stonewall or just I feel like my heart was just so hardened by that. I didn't, nothing could phase me or break me. I didn't care. If my dad could reject me in that way, it, there's no way. Nothing, nothing could break me. If I could come, back, uh, come out of this, nothing could break me. So essentially what happens is, a few years later, 10 years later, I'm just like, yo, wow, I feel like I'm doing better with this trust thing. Like, I feel like I've kind of outgrown all of this. And then in the back of my head, it was just like, <laughs> congratulations, you played yourself. You didn't get better. You just learned how to craft a world where you didn't have to trust people, which is why I did so much. Because I don't have to worry about you. I can just do for myself. I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to be with you. I don't have to do anything. I just do. I just do. 
stage three. Now, a lot of people ask me, um, as I'm getting married, it's just like, hey, how's the getting married process? Um, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? That's, that's the question that you constantly get. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? And I think the, the answer that I kind of came to was just like, hey, like, I realize this, this is a big moment in my life, so I understand it's going to come with a slew of different emotions. So um, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Sometimes I feel excited. Sometimes, um, sometimes yeah, so, sometimes I feel nervous and anxious but I am aware of what's going on. So it's just like, in this circumstance, I felt mindful when people ask me that question. I feel mindful because I'm just like, I'm aware that the reality of situations, I'm aware of the, the, um, the moment that I am in, and I was content. I'm just like, hey, like, this is a one-time thing that I'm going through, um, and uh, I was like, hey, this is kind of the conditions that it comes with. I am content with that. Do I wish it could be different? Yes, but I'm content with this is, this is how it happens for everyone. And then I become responsive to situations. So when I am upset or frustrated or when I am happy, I, I am able to not react to those circumstances, but I'm able to respond to those circumstances. Um, and all that practically means is, um, Bree, is that true? Yes, yes, it's true. I respond to circumstances, and all that practically means is that I'm aware of what the situation actually is, so I can now, um, so now I'm just like, I have context for it. So it's like, I'm angry, but I know why I'm angry, so I'm just going to keep it within this bubble. So those are the three stages of fear. And um, so the question is, how do, we, how do we become aware? The question we were trying to answer was, how do we become aware of our fear? And I would submit to you that which one of these stages do you see yourself falling into, right? We said that there's three types of fear. Um, there's three types of people when dealing with fear, those that are unaware, those that are aware but are limited by their fears, and then those that are aware but are fruitful. Um, and the question that some of you may be asking well, is like, well, if I'm unaware, how do I know what to do with it? I'm unaware. I, I don't know what to do with it. I would, again, submit to you what one of those, uh, what one of those statements kind of resonated with you as far as in a, in a particular area of your life? Are you, are you scared to talk about one thing? Is there something that's always off limits with everybody? Probably in stage two. Is something that you're always reacting to? Probably in stage one, you're just not dealing with it, right? So um, now that I'm aware, what, now that I'm aware, what do I do? And I think the hardest part of this is actually the, this part of diagnosing not the actual application point. The application points are pretty practical. So we can go ahead and throw that up. So the application points being prayer, people, and patience. So in stage one, I want you to, in stage one, I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about it. And you're probably just like, yes, Josh, pray about it. No, 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 no. Like, I want you to pray about it. I want, the reason why I want you to pray about it is because I want you to start naming it and naming how it feels. Because if you can't name it, you can't change it. Right? So whether it's prayer, whether it's speaking to God, whether it's journaling, I need you to start naming what it is that you're feeling and, and, and how you're navigating. And, and I, I want to caution you on one thing. While you are praying, there is a time to let God know how you feel, but do not stay in the mode of just counseling God on what to do. Right? Peter rebukes Jesus, and Jesus tells Peter, you are a hindrance to me, meaning that you are a stumbling block, meaning that you are actively getting in my way. So I would submit to you that when you are counseling God and telling God, well, this should happen and this should be this, you are actively getting in his way. 
I'm not even gonna lie, my dad literally just started calling me right now. I just hung up. <laughs> um, I love you, Dad. Um, so yes, so second thing I want you to notice is people. So people, I want you to share it. I want you to start talking to people. Stage two, when you're numb, when you feel like you can't talk about it, it's gonna be the hardest thing to do. Start talking to one. Start sharing a little bit. Start talking, start talking. I need you to start talking to people. I need you to start talking to counselors. I need you to start talking to community groups, groups. I need you, I need you whatever it is, but start talking about it. If you do not bring it out in the light, you can never heal from it, right? And when you, uh, when you share, when you're sharing, essentially you're realizing that, again, we, we said feeling afraid isn't being afraid. When you choose to share with people, you are feeling afraid. When you choose not to share with people, you are being afraid, okay? So, and then the last thing I want you to do for stage three is I want you to have patience, right? Stage three is probably the most healthiest state that you can be in. Um, I want you to, and, and in that, there's going to be patience needed because there's going to be, you're, you're going to have to have patience with, your, patience with yourself to be able to go through the process. But also, um, you have to, in this moment, embrace the ridiculous. I want you to see something. Peter wasn't, I don't think Peter was wrong for being scared. What Jesus was saying was going to happen, Peter had never seen happen before. Like, Peter had never seen happen. It's, how are you going to do this? The people of Israel, when they're standing in front of the Red Sea, and they see the Red Sea, and they see the army, they have no idea Jesus is going to split the sea. They have every reason to actually be afraid. So that's why I need you guys to, to understand. Like, when you're, if you're actually setting your mind on the things of man, which means everything but God, everything with God removed, um, you, like fear is real. Like you will see that fear. It, you do not understand it. But the thing is, is the reason why we set our minds on the things of God is because God is bigger than what we think, how, how we think a situation should be handled, right? So embrace the ridiculous. Embrace the ridiculous. So as the band comes up, I want to close with this. The people of Israel... We're standing in front of the Red Sea, standing in front of the sea, um, and uh, behind them was an army of Egyptians. And again, I ask you, what do you think that they were feeling? What do you think that they were feeling? Um, and it says, the, the, the Bible says, and behold, and this is in Exodus um, Exodus 14, it says, And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Right? They feared greatly. So much so that they told Moses, is, this, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Right? They were no longer slaves. But the reality of their fear, the reality of their circumstance, they were just like, it was better to be a slave than to actually leave. And I think some of you in this room will take this message and will apply it. And I think what you might find is it may get worse before it gets better. And you may say, Josh, you should have left us a slave to fear. It was better for us in stage two because we didn't feel it. Now I am feeling all of it. 
And I think that Moses says to them, part of what Moses says to them is fear not. Fear not. Feeling afraid, being afraid. Setting your mind on the things of God, setting your mind on the things of man. What are you going to choose to do? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this word that you've given for this particular room of people. I don't know where everyone's specific heart is at, but I pray that you just might meet them where they are at. And I pray that you, you, you give them the courage to be able to set their mind on you. What does that look like practically? I pray that you reveal that to them for their context and their lives. Thank you for what it is that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm no longer